Galatians chapter 3, we're uh, in 6 and 6 and 9 today. This will be uh, the, the example of Abraham. And I did read 6 last time, uh, just to keep it in context, but uh, I'll have to look at that too, 5 and 6 I guess. Alrighty. When you start in five, because we'll have to look at five because six is half of a, you know, it's a half of a sentence. So five, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's six. So that's where we start. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's a question. And Paul says, know that then that. It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall be uh, shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All right, so. At the beginning of chapter 3, Paul tackled the issue of the slipping into legalism. His first argument uh, was sort of a personal argument from experience. He asked them to look back at their own conversion. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So they would have to have answered by the hearing of faith. And then Paul is like, are you so foolish, having been begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by your works and by your deeds, by the flesh, right? In other words, both justification and sanctification come by grace through faith, not by works, right? Repetition, this whole time in Galatians. Faith, 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 this is grace. This is justification of faith. So in 6, we find Paul offering the second argument. Now, if you notice in your Bibles, you know, 5 and 6 is one sentence, but it's got that little dash in there. And it's separated like that because of how it's, it's worded, but also to help you to know that here he's offering the second argument for salvation by grace alone through faith alone. All right. Now, this one's not from personal experience, but rather an argument from Old Testament scripture itself. He turns to Abraham to prove his point of justification by faith alone. All right. So uh, one way then of looking at the text is to see the Judaizers, uh, their hero as Moses. Right. They were steeped in Moses and the law that he gave to Israel. They believed the uh, epitome of one's relationship with God was the keeping of the law. So Paul stages this theological coup, if you will, by leaping over Moses backwards, going back hundreds of years in history to the very first Jew, Abraham. His purpose is to show that the first man ever to be specifically declared a justified man, right, attained that standing long before Moses did. And long before the Mosaic law was ever given. And he attained it on the basis of faith. I've been accused of not listening very well. 
Yes. Three. Galatians three. Six through nine. <laughs> that's, a, that's okay. Yes. <laughs> that's fine. No worries. I'd rather you stop me and ask and then be like, God, oh, give up. I'll just be lost. All right, so they hold up. They, they, they hold up Moses. They hold up the law. He's going to go back. He's going back even further. Knowing this man attained this justification on the basis of his faith, right? Abraham was justified according to his faith, not his works. So he's going to demonstrate that salvation by grace through faith is nothing new. It's nothing new at all. It's not made up by Paul, right? It's the way men have always been saved. This is the way it's been all through the Old Testament. The Galatians were using Abraham for an example to prove the necessity of circumcision for salvation. They were declaring that faith alone in Jesus and his atoning work was not enough, right? You had to add to it for the salvation of the Gentiles to be complete. They had to embrace the ceremonial practices or the aspects of the law, and they had to be circumcised. Okay, so what they were doing was what we do today when it comes to this. They were proof texting. Okay, this is what we call proof texting. If I just pull out, I've I've told you guys this before, but a lot of times on Sundays, a lot of preachers pull out one verse. They just give you one verse, right? And then they talk and talk and talk and they give you three points in a poem or something like that but there's one word maybe in that verse that they focus on with the rest of their story and they're like in that and you're like well that's what that verse means and it's not it's called proof texting okay or if we do that like with one if you do it with something bad like with sin or with hell i call it spoof texting is what i call it i want to spoof it okay so judaizers are good at this too they proof text okay Lifting a verse or a few verses of scripture out of context in order to prove someone's point. That's what this is. So we see Paul correcting the misuse of scripture. All right. And he gives a sound interpretation of scripture. All right. So the, the, the fact would be that the majority of rabbis who lived during the time of Jesus, they believe that Abraham was made right with God. All right. They believe he was saved. They believed he was forgiven of his sin, received eternal life, and was chosen by God for salvation because of his character. That's what the rabbis believed, his character. The Jewish religious leaders thought that Abraham was righteous because they twisted certain scriptures to come to that conclusion. An example, Genesis 26, verse 5 because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. All right? So they were like, look, God said Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge. They noted, noted that Abraham obeyed God. What they didn't notice is that God had already saved him and made him righteous first before he had said this. Then he obeyed God. Right? So they were able to apply this modern need for works in order to be justified. But because they were proof texting, they neglected making the right interpretation or in the right message. Because Abraham was declared righteous 
because of his faith in the promise of God many years before God commanded him to be circumcised. His years. All right? His obedience to God came about without the law because that didn't come until 430 years later. So Paul says, let's look at Abraham, right? Let's look at him. This is in verse 6 of Galatians chapter 3. Let's look at him. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and as a form of a question though. All right, the, the New American Standard Bible states that even so Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. All right, so in his writing, what Paul is doing here, he's integrating verses 6, 7, 8, 9 with the argument from verses 2 and 5 that we saw last time. All right, were the Galatian saints saved and sanctified by faith? All right, well, so, so was Abraham. If they were, so was Abraham as recorded in Genesis 15, 6, years before Abraham or his son was circumcised. Moses, who wrote the law, also wrote that Abraham was justified on the basis of his hearing of faith, just like the Gentiles had been as well. So Paul bringing Abraham up was just this complete, like it's the wild card. It's a surprise to those who opposed him because they believed Abraham proved their point. And here Paul is pulling from Genesis 15, 6, that states that when Abraham believed in God, uh, in, the, in the Lord, then God reckoned it to him as righteousness. So God had taken Abraham, who was, you know, some, some say he was this pagan guy and all this stuff. There's debates on everything uh, on the history of Abraham. But uh, he, he had no heir in his house, household, right? Uh, so God, God, God takes him. He shows him the stars of the night sky. He tells Abraham to count those stars. And, and with, with Abraham looking on the night sky, God, God told this childless man whose wife was barren, and, and they, were, they were old too, to count the stars so, so shall your descendants be. Right? And the outcome of this we know is that Abraham believed God. He had faith in this. Abraham did not do anything, did he? He simply believed the statement which God made about him and his seed. God accepted this believing in the place of legal righteousness. Abraham then was the, like the example of a man of faith, which is in Hebrews 11. 17 through 19, it states that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he, uh, he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. And it was, it was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendant shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. All right, so... We didn't see. We don't see this when you're going through. I mean, you don't see what Abraham is thinking, right? When you read that story, and here in he Hebrews it says Abraham was convinced that even if he did kill his son, God would just raise the boy up because God had promised that many nations would eventually be blessed by his seed through the line of Isaac. That's faith. God made him a promise. He believed it. 
God's now saying, go take your son, sacrifice him. And he's like, well, I guess I'll do it. And then he'll just raise him up. This is faith. All right, so the, the official Jewish position in New Testament times, all right, go back to the, the first century, was that the essence of Jewishness was simply being a descendant of Abraham. We've talked about this some before. That through Isaac and Jacob, right, because of that, in order to be considered part of the family of God, one had to have Jewish blood. That was it, right? And if one had Jewish blood, he was part of the chosen family of God. You're in the, the lineage. You are good, right? They still believe this. Some do. Paul rejects this outright. He call, he, this, this is the official view. He rejects the official view. He redefines the essence of Jewishness in verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. He just completely changes the whole thing now. It's not your bloodline. It's not being a descendant. It's those of faith. The Jews are saying and believing that they are Jews and more elite than everyone else because they were circumcised and they were sons of Abraham. And Paul goes, nope, sorry, not the case. Types and shadows, guys. Those who are sons of Abraham are those who have believed. Therefore, those Gentiles who believed were more sons of Abraham than the Jews who have been circumcised. Because they're just going through the, the, the motions. That's it. Right? So what is that? What is Paul saying? He's saying that anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ is a child of Abraham. Right? And then... And, Children's church, we sing, Father Abraham had many sons. Many. I requested it every week and they hated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the most. <clears throat> Doris, she was always like, oh, not Father Abraham. <laughs> That's why we have the songs like that, though, right? Father Abraham is our father. He's the father of faith. Right? This is shocking, man. This is a shocking change of thinking for the Judaizers. Okay? Remember, they are the opponents of Paul. All right? Or any other Jew of that matter in that time, this is like, what? Like, what are you talking about? They, they deeply believed that they had a standing before God because they were genetically descended from Abraham. All right? People still believe this, they still teach it today. All right. John Hagee, he's like the Jews of the Jews, like don't even have to give the gospel to them. They're good. That's not biblical. That's wrong. OK, so at that at that time, then some Jewish rabbis taught that Abraham stood even at the gates of Hades. Right. To make sure that none of his descendants act just accidentally slipped it by. There's some, there's some weird stuff in the Second Temple, like Judaism and stuff, okay? So Paul's knocking down their blind reliance on that genetic relationship to Abraham, showing that what really matters is faith in Jesus. So the key here for the Galatians and for many today who are confused when it comes to this topic is to know who the children of Abraham are. 
right? And this rests upon the importance of Abraham because he's the key to all of this, right? Paul has written this letter to people who need to know the bedrock doctrine concerning how a man comes to be justified before God. All right, so it stands apparent from this verse in its context that being a child of Abraham is of fundamental importance in the issue of how a man can be just in the eyes of God. So we become believers because Christ faithfully, right, endured everything on our behalf, and he's also given us the faith to trust him. And God declares that we who are of the faith of Christ are the children of Abraham. We are the inheritors of what God promised to give to Abraham and his seed, not seeds, his seed. All right. That means that biblically, the only, that the only Jews who can legitimately claim full kinship with Abraham are, are those related to him spiritually. Okay. Those who are believers as he was, a person may have 100% Jewish blood in their veins, but he's not a true son of Abraham's. Right. So he's not a member of God's chosen people unless like Abraham, he has believed God and has been declared righteous by faith in Jesus. Okay. So Jesus even said to the Jewish leaders that he knew that they were Abraham's offspring, yet they sought to kill him. And when they said, Abraham is our father, Jesus replied, if you are, do the deeds of Abraham. He was telling them that even though they were the blood descendants, they weren't so in the father's eyes. If they were they would have followed the footsteps of Abraham and trusted God instead of seeking to kill him, right? And that's all in John 8. It uh, starts at 37 through 44. But, and this is when Jesus then tells them that they are actually then the children of the devil, right? So a side note then on this word, sons. Sons is not a reference to our gender. I know there's all sorts of gender things in our culture today. But it, it, it is a reference to the fact that a son was a legal heir to the inheritance and the fact that we are legal heirs to the blessing of Abraham. So we are sons, legal heirs of the blessing of Abraham. All right. What that means is that we as Christians... Uh, in like we inwardly, okay, we're Jews spiritually, spiritually, inwardly, because our circumcision is one which is inward. It's a cutting away of the sinful man and the penalty of eternal death that has been replaced with a new nature and a new life which only God can give us by faith in Christ, right? We have the circumcision of the heart, right? And it was God who did the circumcision from above. The kid's okay? All right. <laughs> then Paul says in verse 8, And the scripture 
foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Now this is saying that it has always been God's plan to save everybody outside of the Jews, right? The non-Jewish people. It was always God's plan to save them through faith in Jesus. So foreseeing that or anticipating that, the word of God announced in advance the good news to Abraham by telling him, in you shall all the nations be blessed. It's saying that there's no difference between Old Testament and New Testament believers. They were all saved by the same gospel of grace. They all have obtained a good report through faith. So when we read in Genesis 6, for example, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, we know that he was saved by grace uh, uh, from God. Right? A lot of questions people have. What about the Old Testament people? Well, we had, we're having that discussion too about in the Apostles' Creed, right? He, he descended into hell, right? And there's only a few verses. It never really says that Jesus went to hell or, you know, he goes, goes it's Hades or Sheol and all this stuff. And I don't have time to get into it. But all you got to do is go, people go, well, he had to go and descend to Sheol or uh, hell, what we would think hell or the holding place to declare the, go hit the gospel of him to all the people that had died before the cross took place. But all of that gets put aside when you look at this. All right. Before Moses, we had Abraham faith before that Noah faith. You were saved by faith. It was everyone was saved through the gospel of grace. Even before the gospel of grace was proclaimed after the cross, <laughs> right? So there's no difference there in the Old Testament, New Testament believers, all right? They're all saved by, by the grace of God. There are many who teach that salvation by grace is a dispensation, that, that, that it was only uh, for the New Testament period or the church age, right? Uh, and I'm repeating myself now, but it was offered to Gentiles as an interlude after the Jews had rejected Christ. There's that, that before the cross, they say God had a different salvation formula. All right, dispensationalists believe there was this different salvation formula for ancient Israel. And after that, the church age ends, God will offer Israel another dispensation, making it into a great kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus came, plan A was a no-go because they wanted to kill him. So they said, we'll pause that, go to plan B and die for everyone else. No, that's not the case. This verse in Galatians 3, along with what we have gone through, is effectively saying to them, no, <laughs> wrong, <clears throat> sorry, saying that both the Old and the New Testaments offer the same gospel, and it was for all people, all, all nations, all ages, right? To say that Scripture foresaw and preached the gospel beforehand is to per personify Scripture, the written text is treated as a person who sees and speaks. And so Paul's personification of Scripture means that for him, the written text expresses the voice of God, right? What Scripture says, God says. When we spend time in the Word, we spend time with God. God speaks through His Word. 
It's as simple as that. How do I hear God? I, why won't He talk to me? There was somebody on uh, on Facebook uh, in this last week. It was like, why, why, why? Like uh, the post said, why God? Why when I want to hear you, I can't hear you. Where are you at? Somebody please tell me how to hear God. And and I wrote, don't read this the wrong way, brother. I was like, but you will hear God if you read his word. Whatever it is right now that, that you need to hear, get in the word and you're going to hear from God, right? That's what it was. We're always waiting for the, the big sign though, right? Like, if you hear me, blow that way and so I can see the branch move and then pick up that Walmart bag and do a twirly twirl across the... <laughs> Cross the road, and then I'll know you heard me, and we'll be good. I'm done. <laughs> I remember when I was younger praying stuff like not that obscure, like but like just like make it like thunder right now if you hear me, <laughs> just so I know you hear me. Just like random thunder, like on a sunny day. Be like, come on. <laughs> But God speaks through His Word, you know. And you have to when you have people going through that, you put you, you got to put like a, a precursor there too. Please don't, like I said, please don't read this the wrong way or take it the wrong way. What you need to do is get into His Word to read it to help you right now. God speaks through His Word, verse nine. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. The man of faith. All right. This is the application of uh, verse eight's quotation. Just as seven is the application of six, and both applications are ruled by the same subject. Those who have faith. Right? Those who have faith. The two descriptions are given of those who have faith that are related. They are children of Abraham, and they are blessed along with him. The point that Paul is making. From his exposition of the Old Testament narrative of Abraham is that the Galatian believers are Abraham's children. They are the recipients of Abraham's blessing. And this includes us as well. Since Abraham was considered righteous because he was given the faith to believe God. And since all believers are in God's eyes, the children of Abraham, right, whether or not they are his blood descendants, Right? All those who are saved out of the faith of Christ are blessed with eternal life along with believing uh, Abraham. Not believing in Abraham. You're blessed with those things along with, <laughs> alongside Abraham. All right? So let me speak on that word faithful just for a moment. In modern English, we have come to understand faithful as a word which describes consistency between what a person has said he will do and what he actually does, right? That's not the meaning of the term in Paul's language here, okay? In Paul's day, faithful meant having faith. There, though there was an implication that having faith would cause certain behavior changes, so that there was a difference in action between one who had faith and one who did not, the basic meaning of the term did not mean consistent in behavior. Okay? It simply meant that one believed a certain thing. Now you could go through down a lot of roads there, I understand. 
but I, and I don't really want to, but I'm simply saying it's the act of the faith, right? It's the fir- that act, that having faith, right? It's not not the consistency, but it meant that one believed a certain thing. Abraham, who believed God's promise, right? In thee shall all nations be blessed. Also twice deliberately then misleads kings concerning the identity of his wife, right? Lies about who his wife is out of fear of his life, which he could not lose while uh, childless because then the promise of, of, uh, of God required a child. Right? That's not consistent behavior with the truth that he believed, is it? He had he believed in God, he had faith, and then he's lying. And God's got his bad bad. So is that a consistency of faith? Right? That's what I'm trying to say. Right? There's no consistent behavior with the truth that he believed, yet Abraham was called faithful. All right. Also, Abraham yielded to the subtlety of Sarah's suggestions that he commit adultery with Hagar in a personal attempt to make God's promise come true. Was that consistent in faith? <laughs> right? See what I'm saying? How many times have you known somebody do something and you go, well, thought he was, thought they were a Christian. They are. They believed. All right? <laughs> All right. Even though the law had not been introduced, I know we can make that argument. The law hadn't come yet. Really? I, like... I know the law hadn't been introduced yet, but try to tell me that, like, he didn't know he shouldn't lie. That's a little, yeah, right? But I can tell you this, adultery was against God's word because in Genesis 2.24, it says that a man will leave his father and his mother to be with his wife and they shall become one flesh. Abraham's behavior was inconsistent for one who believed. Right? Yet Abraham did such a thing and was still called faithful. That'll get you. <laughs> that, that, that there, that message will get you. People won't like that. Some, I understand that. But this is, that's grace. The gospel of grace here. You are saved. Okay? So the, the point is that men are saved by believing the gospel promises. Not by their consistency of behavior. And this is not encouraging sin, okay? You guys should all know that, but I'll have people listen and go, you're giving a license to sin. I'm not. I've gone over this before. It's not. It's simply clarifying that, that faith, the faith that saves. The faith that saves is one which is fixed in the promises of God and not the actions of men. God does the saving. You don't. It is those who are, who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Those of faith from all nations enjoy the blessing. Abraham is now the prototype of the universal people 
of faith, not simply uh, uh, the Jewish race, race, right? So it's not, it's not necessary to belong to the Jewish, Jewish race uh, to participate in the blessing of Abraham. And that's his whole point here. All that is necessary is faith like Abraham's. Okay? And that's what Paul's trying to say there. Is there any questions, comments, disagreements? Yeah. Yeah, I mean even 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 those who aren't Christians, we can look at prime examples of people. We all know somebody who who are self-sacrificing that do great things for the community and for homeless and for all, you know what I mean? They all have these things that are just like great people and we know and we're like surely that guy's going to like go to heaven, you know, but if he didn't know the Lord, he's not, right? Well, we did the same thing, though. Like, when we flip it, though, and it's like, well, that dude, I just, like, and I told the story of that one time, right, where everybody wanted to gather around my grandpa because they wanted to know if he cussed, was going to cuss or whatever, right? <laughs> you know, but if he had, okay. <laughs> I don't encourage cussing, but I'm just saying, you know. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's, you, you cannot bay, like, we cannot base our salvation or what a Christian looks like just because of the good things and the good deeds and how they act. Nor can we like bring them down because of the things that we see happen in their lives or they, they may commit a sin and go, oh no, I thought he was a Christian and stuff. You, we can't base that, any of that. We have to go to, to good, better theology, which is God's theology. So. Anything else? <laughs>